welcome to another episode of the National Kidney Foundation's Life as a Nephrologist podcast. I'm your host, Natasha Dave, a nephrologist and medical director of Strive Health. For today's episode, we're chatting about critical care nephrology. This is a dynamic and developing field, which has seen an increase in popularity in the last decade. Our guests include a mix of junior and senior faculty, which is a testament to how this field is expanding. Two of our guests, Dr. Amanda Zeidman and Dr. Michael Hung, have recently authored the ACKD article, The Workforce in Critical Care Nephrology, Challenges and Opportunities, which will be the topic of today's conversation. Our other guests include two critical care nephrologists, Dr. Javier Nera and Dr. Jay Coiner, and a critical care anesthesiologist, Dr. Matthew Broyles. Let's get started with some introductions. Javier, kindly introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your journey into critical care nephrology. Thank you for the introduction of the podcast. And uh, my name is Javier Neira. I'm a nephrologist with training in critical care. And um, the, my journey in uh, critical care nephrology started during my fellowship, uh, where I was very attracted to the field for, in particular, uh, management of acute kidney injury and extracorporeal support uh, treatments. Um, this continues to evolve uh, during my uh, time uh, in research uh, after my clinical fellowship. And uh, I'm really very attracted uh, to this very dynamic field, as you describe it. Um, and I think there are a lot of things still we need to do to find uh, best practices uh, to improve our technology and certainly to uh, impact uh, the care of the patients that are really uh, critically ill uh, impacted and um, their survival uh, recovery period, uh, it's also very challenging. I'm currently an associate professor at the University of Kentucky, um, and my role there is to uh, run the Critical Care Nephroid Program. And I, I think I'm going to share some of our experiences today uh, in the field. Great. Excited to hear about your experiences. Matt, uh, will you kindly introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your journey into critical care anesthesiology? I'm Matt Royals. I'm originally from uh, Philadelphia. Um, I did my medical school at the University of Tennessee, and I did my anesthesia residency and critical care fellowship at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. I've since uh, stayed on as an assistant professor. I work primarily um, in the cardiac ICU, where I spend about 50% of my time, and also in the general ORs, where I spend about 50% of my time. In the ICU, I work a lot with critically ill patients, and that's where I met Dr. Ashita Tolani, who I um, spend a lot of time with and who kind of got me involved with you all. So I think that I have a, um, a good understanding of uh, critically ill patients, um, and um, we have lots of patients on CRRT that we deal with, which I find pretty interesting. Awesome. So great to have you here. Let's continue on with some introductions. Amanda, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, I'm Amanda. I just finished my first year as an attending in both the cardiac intensive care unit and uh, nephrology service um, at Mount Sinai Hospital, where I also did both of those fellowships. Um, I went into fellowship knowing I wanted this particular combination after having two very strong mentors in residency, who are both uh, dual certified in nephrocritical care. Um, I spend 75% of my time in the intensive care unit, 
um, again, only in the cardiac intensive care unit, and then another 25% of my time covering nephrology service. Great. Awesome to have you here. All right. Jay, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey into critical care nephrology. Sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Jay Coiner. I'm a nephrologist at the University of Chicago, and I've been there for about 20 years now, including residency and then fellowship, an extended fellowship in nephrology. Uh, I originally started, I guess, the journey being interested in research in AKI, and that led me to hanging out in ICUs. And eventually, when I was brought on as a faculty member, we started an ICU nephrology consult service that took care of both uh, acute and uh, ESRD consults in the ICU. Uh, and we've been doing that at the University of Chicago now for a little bit under 15 years. And 100% of my clinical time in the hot, or 100% of my inpatient time is spent rotating on that. And we've, uh, we can talk over the course of the podcast on how we do it uh, and uh, the setup. But that's, uh, that's me. I continue to do AKI and critical care nephrology research, uh, looking at a variety of different topics. Thanks for having me. Of course. Cool. Great to hear that. And hopefully we can dive in a little bit more into your program. And last but not least, Michael, kindly tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Hi, I'm Mike Kung. I'm a nephrologist at the University of Michigan. Uh, unlike some of my colleagues here, I'm not uh, certified in, in critical care, but I've had a longstanding interest in critical care nephrology. And like Jay, um, that, that came about from doing research in acute kidney injury outcomes and uh, my inpatient service is exclusively on our ICU nephrology consult service these days. We haven't had one as long as uh, they've had at University of Chicago, but for about five or six years now, we have had a dedicated ICU service. And I really enjoy it because it gives me the opportunity to rub shoulders with the likes of Dr. Broyles, you know, in anesthesia critical care or our cardiac uh, ICU colleagues. We have seven different ICUs that uh, I get to rotate through and, and learn from. And uh, so it's a, a lot of fun, but it also, of course, reinforces the central role of nephrology in all of medicine and all of critical care. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, so thanks for having me. Great. Well, we've got a full house today. Um, so thank you guys for joining me and uh, sharing your journeys with us. I want to dive into this topic by both asking Matt and Michael, why do you think nephrologists and anesthesiologists are interested in the ICU? We'll start with Matt. Well, for anesthesia, um, I think that a lot of people are drawn to anesthesia because they like um, patients who are sick and patients who have uh, different hemodynamic issues going on. Um, one of the downsides to anesthesia in general is that um, you don't have lots of long-term follow-up or even really uh, medium-term follow-up of how patients do. An example of how that can become an issue um, is you can be kind of short-sighted where if a patient gets hypotensive and it damages the kidneys or something like that, with anesthesia, you can just give a medication to get their blood pressure up and um, you think that they're fine, but you don't realize that you've really done some damage to, to the kidneys or another organ that you don't get to see. So with critical care, you get a little bit longer term follow-up where you get to see if something that happens in the operating room does actually affect things afterwards. And I think that it results in both being able to deliver good critical care, but also being able to deliver better care in the operating room. Great. Michael, why do you think nephrologists are interested in the ICU? 
Well, I think that uh, most nephrologists are, are physiologists at heart, at, at least partly. And to me, the ICU is the ultimate physiology lab, you know, or pathophysiology lab, I guess I should say. And um, we see tons of electrolyte abnormalities, pretty significant ones. Of course, a lot of acid-based disturbance. These are the things that a lot of, you know, us that attracted a lot of us into nephrology in the first place. But I also think there's just sheer necessity. You know, unfortunately, we see a lot of acute kidney injury or, or other um, kidney related issues in the ICU. And I like to joke with my team sometimes that it seems like the kidneys are the ultimate innocent bystander organs that no matter what else is going wrong, the kidneys uh, sometimes get dragged in. And, and there's really a need for us to, to be involved to help manage these issues. Um, in many cases, to uh, protect the kidneys, hopefully, and, and to shepherd people through whether it's with a general supportive care or, or more invasive therapies uh, like extracorporeal therapies. Yeah, and just to echo those thoughts, I think both sides of, of this coin are just junkies for physiology and combining the two really enhances your ability to focus on, on everything and, and dive into it. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, that's great. I mean, as a general nephrologist, whenever I pass by the ICU, I'm always struck at the sheer size of the ICU team. It always includes like a whole bunch of people, intensivists, trainees, nurses, pharmacists, and other subspecialty team members. Javier, can you talk to me a little bit about this multidisciplinary collaboration and approach to patients? Do you enjoy these interactions and how does it impact patient care? Yes. So uh, I think uh, to provide care in the ICU, uh, either as a consultant or for the primary teams as intensivists, uh, we all should excel in communication because uh, those are stressful moments. Patients are critically ill and uh, there are life-saving situations that uh, require immediate interventions. And uh, there are many decisions that are very dynamic that need to be done throughout the course of the day. A consultant as a nephrologist uh, that is uh, around in the ICU um, taking care of the critical care nephrologist service will have this opportunity to really interact with multiple uh, primary teams, intensivists with different backgrounds, as we have Matt here as anesthesiologist. There are others that have background in cardiology, others that have background in, in surgery, and different uh, multi-specialists. Uh, so that uh, provides you a little bit of a, a wide variety of approaches and uh, interactions that will nurture the nephrologist as a consultant and to try to uh, investigate this uh, complex pathophysiology that uh, Michael referred to that we com continuously face in uh, critically ill patients. So I think it's really fun to be a, a consultant nephrologist in multiple ICUs. Uh, we are going to have a very heterogeneous, very dynamic uh, day, and uh, we will interact very different patients at different stages of their critical illness. So the challenge, of course, is uh, our presence. The, we, uh, being consultants, we need to try to be continuously present in the ICU. And uh, we use a lot of the technology from the electronic health records. That's why we have sometimes a very uh, large teams that involve trainees and other healthcare professionals 
to try to always be resourceful, present, and always try to provide the right treatment at the right time, particularly when we are talking about continuous renal replacement therapy. So uh, I really enjoy my days in the ICU. We end very tired, of course, are very intense, but uh, really uh, very uh, roller coaster learning experiences every time you're around in the ICU. Yeah. Javier, I love your response and your enthusiasm for the ICU. It's really great to see it. So let's take a step back for a moment. I'm wondering if, Jay, can you shed light on the field of critical care nephrology and how it's evolved? Yeah, I think that right. the, critical, the field of critical care nef- nephrology has probably been around um, for decades. If you look back sort of historically, before there was pulmonary critical care, nephrologists uh, very much spent lots of time in the ICU. And I think for good or for bad, um, we ceded some of that control to the field that became pulmonary critical care. Maybe that relates to the uptick in uh, outpatient dialysis that folks tried to uh, spend time maybe where there was more money rather than where there was better physiology. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, uh, but over the course of the last two to three decades, there have been uh, several groups of folks um, uh, interested in this field. I think predominantly is focused around the care of patients with AKI, and it has brought together intensivists or pulmonary critical care doctor, anesthesia, uh, an- anesthesia critical care doctors, surgeons, trauma surgeons, neurointensivists, all focused around uh, these folks. And that um, that field has grown with, I think, the care of a- AKI um, patients and uh, around the area of extracorporeal therapies, knowing that nephrologists very often not just provide dialysis, but uh, plasmapheresis and other forms, and that um, it continues to grow, and that you're seeing some of um, sort of the next generation uh, of what we're seeing, which is more and more folks who are interested in being double boarded um, and uh, able to sort of step in and seamlessly take care of uh, the complicated ICU patients. Um, but I think many, uh, and uh, I just said this uh, in an orientation to our fellows, right? It's July, so we all have uh, new fellows, that anyone, you know, anyone who finishes a nephrology fellowship should be able to walk into the ICU and be able to take care of some of the sickest patients because um, when patients get as sick as they can get, invariably, as uh, you heard from Mike, the kidneys fail, and we need to be able to uh, step in and help them as best uh, as best we can. Uh, sort of a long rambling answer there. I'm sorry, but that's what the, that's what you're going to get from me. <laughs> no, that was perfect. Mike, anything to add? Uh, no, I think that's a, a great summary. I, I do think, you know, we're experiencing a bit, a bit of a renaissance with more and more people interested in critical care um, among nephrology, I mean, as, as Jay pointed out. And I think, again, the need is really there. Uh, I'm on service right now and I'm learning something new every day. Um, and it's, it's a good back and forth conversation. Uh, I remember going to my first uh, Society of Critical Care Medicine conference a few years ago and learning about augmented renal clearance uh, in trauma patients, something that I wasn't really even aware of. I was like, I know about kidney failure, but augmented <laughs> renal clearance and, and then having to deal with that and adding that to our repertoire when I round in the trauma burn unit, especially, but in, in other places. And so I think it's, it's evolving. There's, there's a lot to learn. And I think it does help uh, for nephrologists to uh, have some degree of additional interest and expertise in, in the critical care. So it's exciting to see people like, like Javier and Amanda that are 
you know, double boarded and, and, you know, uh, bringing the future of the field, you know, I mean, old guys like Jay and I, you know, hopefully we can uh, still stick around for a little bit, but, uh, I do not care for being called old. <laughs> At least I said we're both old. Understood. I'd like for you to just call me a PGY 20. That's what I'd prefer. <laughs> I just want to add to, to what Mike uh, said that uh, it's very exciting the evolution of the technology too, right? So earlier today, for example, just to to mention, uh, I was discussing ways how we can integrate our data from the CRRT machine into our uh, EHR and to a system that we use that is capsule to to dump the data into the data warehouse. So imagine uh, the how these evolution in the technology will allow us to practice in the near future. Maybe we will have as a similar way as a, t- a tele-ICU, a tele-CRRT, that somebody will be monitoring all these treatments uh, regionally to provide really advanced level of care to centers that do not have the capability to uh, have uh, in on-site uh, specialists in the field, so uh, I think it's it's exciting. I mean, you can uh, you can really sense the how uh, the convergence between technology, knowledge, and passion for the field. It's making us move forward day by day, and it's very collaborative. And we always have fun. So I think uh, there is uh, one of the great areas to be in nephrology. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting to get, um, you know, to understand the evolution of critical care nephrology and hear from you guys how bright the future is. I'm sure many of those that are listening that are interested in the field want to know, uh, do you need to be double trained and boarded in both nephrology and critical care in this day and age? I'm curious to hear, uh, Amanda, your thoughts. What are some of the pros and cons of pursuing additional critical care training? Sure. So I think having formal training in nephrology enhances my expertise in critical care and vice versa. You know, I can usually, not always, but usually see both sides of the coin um, when there may be differences of opinion between the two services. Um, And it it puts me in a, a good position to try and find a middle ground, which is best for the patient. Um, I think that having depth of understanding in basic principles of nephrology, like we already discussed, for example, fluid stewardship, um, electrolytes, acid base, of course, everything AKI related, whether it be um, catching it and stopping it from progressing or when to jump in with CRRT or hemo, um, all makes me a better intensivist. And I think really understanding total systems physio um, especially in its most obscure state, me critically ill, makes me a better nephrologist. So there are certainly many, many pros to being both. Um, maybe I'm biased. I don't see many cons to being double boarded in both. However, what I will say um, is I generally do cover the ICU nephrology service when I'm on nephrology service. And I feel that maybe I don't see as often the GNs and the hardcore nephrology as I would on a general nephro service. Um, it could be that I'm 25% and I've only done one year as an attending so far. And maybe that's why my limited exposure leads me to having um, that sentiment. We'll see over the next several years if I still feel the same, but it's remedied by picking up general nephro service for a couple weeks out of the year. Um, I don't really see many cons to it. 
sounds like it's all about finding the right balance. Correct. Javier, uh, do you have any thoughts on whether individuals should be both double trained and boarded? Yes. So, uh, I mean, I would say, I always say that uh, it's never the place, it's the individual. I also believe that there are many ways to be trained to be a a very skilled and caring and compassionate clinician. So uh, now there are two things that have changed uh, over the last, uh, I would say, nine, 10 years since I was starting my fellowship, that there are more programs now that offer this dual training. There is an expansion of the programs that are now allowing that extra year of critical care training, like Amanda did, that will allow many trainees to have the, don't need to look for a program outside, apply and relocate for one extra year. They can do it at their own program. Uh, this is an expansion. We'll, we'll allow, I would say, in the coming years, more dual certified nephrologists and intensivists. And the second thing is also that the nephrology fellowship are uh, innovating so that uh, they, the, the program directors, the APDs are trying to customize the training according to the needs and uh, according to the goals of the trainee. So if a trainee has a lot of interest in ICU nephrology, their training in two years will be customized in a way that they can be very competent, feel very confident at the end of their training, as Jay mentioned, to be a very outstanding nephrologist providing consultation in the ICU. So uh, I think there are many variants. Most importantly, uh, I would say that the specific route you take is that you identify what you want to do, how you foresee yourself practicing in the future, and try to acquire the tools that will put you at that stage in your career. So if you see yourself as being an intensivist primary team, you like to do procedures, you want to intubate, you want to put the chest tubes, you want to cannulate the ECMO, yes, go and do, do the dual certification. But if you uh, are more interested in a combination of ICU nephrology and still have the ability to have uh, involvement in other areas of nephrology as outpatient care, which which is also very variable, then perhaps the two-year training with customized ICU uh, focus uh, could be an option for you. So uh, I think the, the beauty is that there are many options and there is great people to train you in many places. Just go for what you, you feel your heart is on. I love that. Speaking of academic centers, I noticed that all of you guys practice at an academic center. So I'm curious to know what happens to those individuals that are interested in critical care nephrology and private practice. Mike, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I I don't know too much about private practice, but uh, you know the paper, for example, that uh, Amanda worked on that that I was a small part of, but it was really Amanda's paper. Uh, actually, surveyed people that that were double boarded in uh, nephrology and critical care, including in the private practice setting. And I I do think it's kind of a challenging setting because in in private practice you may not be able to practice both um, from from what I've seen talking to colleagues. I think that's true in academics too, frankly. Uh, and so a lot of times you, you sort of have to choose which your primary hat is going to be, whether that's in nephrology or critical care. And I would also say that uh, if, if you're the ICU attending, everyone that I know that's double boarded, when they're the ICU attending, they still need to call nephrology for 
dialysis and, and consults. They're, they're not truly wearing both hats at the same time, even if they're fully capable and, and have the expertise. And there's lots of reasons for that, including department finances and, and things like that, of course. Uh, so I, I think it's, I, I don't know, I'd be curious what other people think if there's really such a thing as the um, truly integrated one person role. But nonetheless, I still agree it's, it's helpful to have both perspectives um, in, in there. Uh, and I, I do think in private practice, uh, though, it, it probably is a little bit challenging to find um, a, a perfect balance if there is such a thing. Jay, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I sort of I agree with Mike. I think that um, the majority of folks in academics sort of mirror private practice. And um, it sounds like Amanda is maybe part of a change that may be coming as we hear more and more folks are interested in this. But I think that the super majority of double boarded folks um, wind up living in a silo where um, they can use their expertise for the best of patients, but they're either serving in a critical care or a nephrology, but not uh, both um, at the same time. And I think that that's okay. I mean, patients are getting sicker and sicker. Um, and I think that the folks who are double boarded are setting themselves up to um, succeed. And I think uh, realistically, folks like Mike and I won't be around in 20 or 30 years in the ICU. You're going to require some degree of critical care training in the not too distant future in order to step foot in the ICU. I think that that's very, very feasible. Don't worry, Mike. I wasn't saying we weren't going to be around in a long, uh, in a little bit because we were old. It's just because the model that we grew up in where we did research and spent time in the, uh, um, in the ICUs and sort of hung around and were um, the equivalent of like ICU gym rats, uh, always around and always trying to help. I think it also helps. We didn't talk about this, but Mike and I both directed inpatient dialysis units. Um, and so that you're constantly in the ICU as the medical director of an ICU um, dealing, uh, dealing with that. I, I think that the same thing is going to be true in academic and in private practice settings, that more and more you're going to have to so, sort of show your credentials at the door in order to, to help patients. SCU gym rats. I love it. <laughs> In that survey that we had sent out, um, most respondents did say that it was difficult in finding appointments in both nephrology and critical care. Those who did were very, very happy, very, very satisfied, but um, some had to choose one or the other. Um, and then just in a different light, one of the segments of nephrology patients that isn't included in, in most of these double boarded physician care is the outpatient setting. Um, so I do zero outpatient time. So that's a huge sector of, of patients that have high nephrology need that I am not seeing. I loved hearing about the survey from your paper. That's a, that's a great addition. Um, really helps characterize the question. I'm curious to understand the evolution of not only critical care nephrology, but also um, critical care and anesthesiology. Matt, talk to me about how your field has supported trainees um, who are interested in pursuing this subspecialty. Well, originally, I think there was a fair representation of anesthesia and critical care in the U.S., and then that had kind of dwindled down to where in the early 2000s, it was really viewed as, uh, as a big issue that it looked like the field might go away. So I think that a few things were done to try to revamp and revitalize anesthesiologists going into critical care. And um, one of the big things is that I believe the ACGME increased the number of rotations that residents were expected to do uh, in critical care with the idea that with increased exposure that 
more residents would fall in love with it and pursue it as a fellowship. And I think that that's worked out uh, relatively well so far. Um, anesthesia also uh, has going for it that there's a kind of an established pathway where you just do your residency and then one fellowship, um, which I think definitely makes it an easier decision for residents to do. Yeah, absolutely. So knowing this, how can we as a field support nephrologists interested in critical care? Uh, should we follow a model that's similar to anesthesiology? Jay, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, um, I don't. I don't know that there's one best plan. I think that the, uh, what we've strived to do at U of C is sort of put it out there front and center for both uh, residents and other fellows to see. We have this ICU service; it's well established. Um, we're at the point where um, all of the anesthesia critical care fellows rotate with us, so they see it. So we're not gonna. No one is uh, making any, has any false pretenses that we're gonna convert anesthesiologists into nephrologists. But we've also, through doing that, gotten the neurointensive folks and the pulmonary critical care folks um, interested. And uh, if I'm honest with you, the residents see that when they're rotating with us, they say, "Hey, look, here's a pulmonary critical care fellow who's rotating through uh, ne- nephrology ICU consult," and we've been able to. Um, convert a few residents over the years from maybe critical care to nephrology, uh, to nephrology, which has been, uh, nice. And, uh, we're, you know, we're specifically talking about nephrocritical care, but we can acknowledge that nephrology has a workforce issue so that being out there and being front and center and being integrated into the ICU structure, uh, in your institution is probably the best way to do it. Um, and we have all the things that go along with that. And I know, uh, I have one old anesthesia fellow who rotated with us who every year asks me for updates to our syllabus. So he who's at a ins- different institution now can pass those things along to the people that he, that he's training. And as far as I'm concerned, that's a win in an, uh, a win in and of itself. Um, for me, I think that that's the best way to do it. And then having people like you have on the podcast out there talking about it and letting people know that it's okay to consider a career in nephrology critical care and that um, folks like us are excited to sort of find a way, um, recognizing that at every institution it's a different uh, path and that uh, 15 plus years ago it wasn't so easy at the University of Chicago to do it. And now it's a little, it, it, now it's a little bit easier. I'm still not going back and doing more training, but it's easier now for other people. <laughs> I will, uh, I'll add that, I, again, I am also not going back and doing any more training, despite agreeing with Amanda that, you know, the perspective would be helpful. But I think that, and, and we at Michigan right now do not actually have a, a clear path to do critical care after nephrology. So some of our fellows that have been interested in getting that uh, additional training have had to go to other centers to get that training. However, the addition of a critical care nephrology consult service has been huge for us. And uh, the obvious way is that it provides our fellows with a little bit more concentrated exposure that way, but it's also a two-way street. And, And I think that I see uh, especially larger centers moving more and more to that. There's there's a lot of centers that obviously still don't have a dedicated critical care nephrology service, but it is a two-way street. Like Jay said, they have fellows from other services rounding with them, and we do as well. Um, I, I tweeted about this a couple months ago because we had a surgical critical care fellowship join our team to, to round with us, and she actually told me that uh, one of the reasons that she chose the Surgical Critical Care Fellowship at Michigan was because they had this nephrology critical care rotation, which blew my mind. Um, and, and it was very exciting. 
and and we learn from them. So the anesthesia uh, critical care uh, fellows rotate with us. The surgical critical care fellows rotate with us, and it's a great um, exchange of information to learn um, their perspective, and and vice versa for them to learn some of the tricks and. Uh, that we have and, and why we focus on, on certain areas. So it's a really great, it's, a st- it's helped us uh, uh, further strengthen the, the clinical relationships we have. It's helped us strengthen the uh, research collaborations we have as well. So uh, that short of, even short of uh, having a formal critical care uh, rotation, having, uh, or, or fellowship, having uh, a, a service, I think, is is a potentially an intermediate step. I see a lot of centers moving towards. And just to jump in on that note, um, when I initially was applying, to, there was no formal track at Mount Sinai Hospital. I went in. My entire purpose statement was saying, "I want to do this. Can you help me do this?" So, for those listening that may be applying to fellowship or thinking about the field, talk to your institutions. Um, see what they're willing to do. I was the first who who created an integrated track. There were others who had done nephrology followed by critical care, and it was an agreement among the program directors who are both fantastic. Plug for this program. Um, <laughs> um, but for me, because I knew from the get-go that I for sure wanted this path, they were actually able to integrate, and now there is a formalized track. So if you speak to the program directors ahead of time, probably easier at larger institutions than smaller, but nothing is impossible. Um, then you may be able to pave the way wherever you want to, to get into the field. I would 100% agree and, uh, and echo that, Amanda. Awesome. Javier, your thought? Yeah, so the, I will echo all those comments, right? Uh, what I can add to is that um, the divisions of nephrology also have a uh, started to develop the need to uh, to highlight and um, reinforce the critical care nephrology service. So you can see in many hospitals that this line of service dedicated consult, consult team to the ICU has been uh, developed. And um, you are adding a lot of tools to that team, like bedside ultrasonography, training uh, on, uh, on certain uh, uh, skills that are not necessarily the same as you will use in um, regular floor consoles. At the same time, I always say like um, the recognition, uh, it's bilateral, right? So if you enhance your program and the deliverables of your critical care nephrology program, you will have the ability that the ICU recognize the value in it. And then the ICU itself can provide resources to enhance this program. And that is providing uh, all the quality improvement operations for the program, providing data analysts that can help uh, to track some of the data. And um, I think in the not only uh, in increasing the, the interest of trainees from other specialists uh, uh, that come to round with the critical care nephrology team, but also the ICU leadership to support this program and its operations. And to the point that uh, it's not unlikely to see a nephrologist or a nephrologist with training in critical care that is part now of the ICU uh, big uh, multidisciplinary committees to address all ICU-related uh, uh, issues in the hospital. So I think our participation is uh, much more recognized. And uh, you, we, don't, we cannot forget that among all the devices in the hospital after mechanical ventilation, 
uh, renal replacement therapy, if we combine all our tools, is the second extracorporeal support uh, device or, or treatment that is provided in the ICU. So uh, the ICU needs to provide resources for the program, for sure. And uh, I think that uh, that is uh, something that has changed and will continue to be enhanced. And uh, it's, uh, it's not only at the training level, but it's also at the institutional level that we need to further promote these programs. Well, great insights, everyone. You know, let's talk about some resources. Um, so if you're a nephrologist or a trainee interested in the field um, or interested about learning more, what papers, courses, communities are out there for you to explore? Well, I will take the opportunity, Natasha, to uh, highlight uh, recent work uh, that we have done with uh, Mike Hone uh, with the invitation of uh, Advances in Chronic Kidney Disease, a journal by NKF that uh, a, a dedicated issue specifically to nephrology critical care. And with uh, Mike, um, we were guest editors in this issue and uh, tried to generate an outline of topics that uh, we felt cover a lot of the ongoing questions uh, in the field, provide some uh, good summaries of what's the current evidence, and also provide a little bit of enthusiasm of what's coming next. There are some topics talking about how we envision the future in the field and all these things that are coming. I, I, I think uh, uh, I would like to thank uh, the participants of this podcast that were also contributors to this issue, and especially uh, Mike for inviting me and taking a bet on me to be a, a co-guest editor in this, in this issue. Uh, and uh, this uh, should be coming in the coming weeks and uh, will be available for everybody to enjoy this. Uh, uh, but there are many resources available that I know you guys will mention in the next few minutes. Uh, for interaction and also for learning and to develop collaborative platforms also for research in the field. Great. Are there any courses that you recommend um, trainees or nephrologists to go to? Uh, specific courses, Michael or Jay? We're probably going to say the same thing, but uh, I think that one of the really uh, great courses is the um, AKI and CRT course by uh, Ravi, or conference by Ravi Mehta that's in San Diego every year. So it's it's really painful to have to go to San Diego in, in February, but uh, you know I, I make the sacrifice, especially coming from Michigan. It's just awful to, to go from Michigan to San Diego in, in <laughs> February, but I, I make that sacrifice every year uh, because it's a great uh, conference. A lot of great material, and there is actually a pre-course usually that's a hands-on CRT courses and things like that, which is a really great way for um, people to get really intense uh, kind of uh, scenario-based training, troubleshooting more than you might see on just an average day uh, rounding, where where you get to really work through some of the, uh, the different scenarios with a lot of very expert teachers. So. That's one conference that uh, I've been back to again multiple times because I, I think there's really great resources there and a lot of cutting edge material presented there. Jay, what do you think? Yeah, so I agree. I think that that's a great conference. I've shared many a uh, beverage with Mike, and that's uh, in part how I met Mike many years ago. I also would highlight that it's not just great for physicians. They have hands-on training there for nurses and technicians, and it's an opportunity for folks to both interact with 
a multidisciplinary ICU team. It's just, you know, it's not just nephrologists or intensivists, they're anesthesiologists and hepatologists and others that are there as well as industry. I think that there's a similar meeting uh, in Vincenza if, uh, every year that Ravi, uh, that Claudio Ronco and Claudio and Ravi and, uh, Ronaldo Belomo are sort of like the godfathers of the field of critical care nephrology, but then there are also great uh, meetings from people who are the generation after them, that folks like Stu Goldstein at Cincinnati Children's has developed an outstanding program specifically geared more so to pediatric uh, critical care nephrology, or even... Uh, um, at Dr. Broyles' home institution at UAB, where Sheila Tawani has a, a, a premier program looking uh, at CRRT and uh, technology that is just as great. And I highlight that the national meetings for our organizations, whether the NKF or the ASN, often have more updates uh, on critical care nephrology rather than uh, conferences. And all of those are great all of them are generally great for not just physician learners, but multidisciplinary learners, whether they be the APNs that help run some of the services or the dialysis staff, or having run the ASN course. Uh, we even have pharmacists who come because they know that they need to have a better understanding about how some of these technologies work so that they can do their job better. So there are lots of opportunities in there they're growing, knowing that there are, um, every year there seems to be another conference. I know, you know, I know also the folks at the University of Pittsburgh have a center for critical care nephrology where they run uh, several seminars over the course of the year or day long, um, uh, day long events as well. Or you could just call Mike and ask him questions. Let me give you his cell phone number. It is. No. Oh, you can just DM me on Twitter. Yeah, no, absolutely. Always happy to help out. Also to mention the the simulation centers, right? There are sim simulation centers for CRRT in Cincinnati Children that is very close to Lexington. I have been there a few times uh, as a tra uh, training myself and also like uh, as an instructor where I, 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 I learn a lot. And the course that in UAV, Matt's institution, also uh, typically hosts like maybe 100, 150 fellows every year that go to train hands-on CRRT as well. Uh, and if you know Ashita, you know she's extremely dedicated to be sure the fellows understand as much as they can CRRT and that they don't shy out to use Citric. <laughs> awesome. We're going to wrap up here, but before we do, any final thoughts on critical care nephrology? Anything else that we missed that you would want to mention? I think I would just highlight the idea that it's a pretty great community, right? And that it's a bunch of people from a diverse uh, background. And I, I, you know, not to be cheesy about it, but we've said that Mike and I are the old guys. We've known each other for 20 years, and it's because we're showing up at the same, you know, at the same meetings um, and trying to learn and trying to figure out how can you do this, you know, how can you do this better. So when it came time to learn how to tap into ECMO circuits. You know, Mike and the other folks that I know are the people that I called, and I would enc encourage everyone to do that, right? And I'm sure that Javier, who is, uh, you know, has his own group of people, and that you'll find that every, all of us are dealing with a lot of the same issues uh, in terms of how to better provide care for these folks as care continues to uh, advance at, uh, at light speed. And we're all trying to get so what's best for the patient, whether you're trained in anesthesia or trained in nephrology or critical care or, or, or multiple of those things. And I think that those meetings are a great place to sort of um, figure some of that out. I'd also add uh, there are lots of online, whether Twitter, which Mike talked about, but also in the ASN communities and other places for people to sort of ask questions if they're um, uh, stuck or they don't know to do or want to know how to do X, Y, and Z. I'll just ramble on. So someone <laughs> should just cut me off. 
100% agree. I mean, that it's an awesome community, a lot of great friendships, but it's it's also the support, you know? I mean, let's face it, in, in terms of critical care, this is not always like cardiology where you have 50,000 patient trials to tell you exactly what to do and, you know, with this vessels denotes this amount, you know? In critical care, it's a physiology lab. We're, we're trying to do their best. We're using our, our common sense and that's where leaning on colleagues, expert colleagues is, is really helpful and even though we joked earlier about handing out cell phone numbers, the reality is Jay and I, <laughs> we do text each other all the time, actually, for advice with, with other people around the country. And it's great. I, I love being able to, I have no ego in it. If, if I can find somebody else that can help my patient, I absolutely want to do that. And I think we all feel that way and always happy to share with each other. So I think a lot of people see that. And that's, I think that's another reason this is kind of growing and there seems to be more excitement and Love to see the young people, you know, really taking this up uh, as well and really carrying the flag forward. Great. There are many research questions to be answered. And um, the, so if you are interested in developing a research area, um, there are many unknowns. And uh, in this dynamic field, what we know today may not be the best answer tomorrow. And that's why we're all humbled to continue to learn constantly from each other and from the people we work with directly and also from the people we don't work directly, as uh, Mike and Jay were mentioning, the network of uh, exchange of ideas and collaboration. And that happened, right? So when we develop our protocol, we always review protocols from other places to see what we can customize that fits better our needs. And we also share our protocol with many people that ask, uh, how, what, how do you guys are doing this or what do you do for this? And uh, one of the exciting things is that uh, critical care flow is expanding beyond North America uh, in developing countries that now are getting more resources to use uh, these technologies. And so uh, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I always feel very lucky to uh, help somebody from my home country, Peru, that is trying to do this connection that uh, Jay was describing, like uh, how are you connecting your ECMO with CRRT or this kind of thing. So I think uh, being able to help someone to try to develop their program is really priceless. And uh, it's a very, very, uh, 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 it's an experience that uh, you really continue uh, to learn all the time. Great. Well, thank you all so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. I'm almost tempted to uh, get some extra training in critical care now. <laughs> um, and for our listeners, thank you so much for joining us. If you've enjoyed this episode, please tag us on Twitter. Our handle is at NKF. If you'd like to get in touch with us about this episode or have ideas for future ones, please email us at nkfpodcast at kidney.org. Until next time, everyone, take care. Mm-hmm.